Welcome to the Amherst Podcast. Join us as we go beyond underwriting to discover more about our people, culture, and history. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Amherst Podcast. This is episode six of the Rely series, and this is on innovation. We're sitting here with Tony Self, Mark Oswald, Christian Medina is helping me host. Uh, Tony, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, thanks. I am the uh, market analytics manager. I work uh, for John Horton on his team, and uh, I've been at Amherst for f- right at 15 years, just a few days ago. Nice. Congrats, man. Thanks. It's, there you go. It's been Get a- that Titleist golf bag. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's been a uh, – then I have to learn to play golf. Yeah. <laughs> or at least you're looking or, or get better. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting ride. Um, I think I heard in the meeting this morning, Eric started right about the same time I did, Eric Powell. And, uh, you know, I think we had $270 million of enforced premium at that point, and here we are, $2 billion. Uh, I was the, I think, 30th or 20, 29th person to work in Houston office. Wow. Um, so that, that gives you a sense of scale. Cause I think we have 200 total now if, oh, yeah. if everybody in Houston was here, you know, yeah. for, for the most part, just in Houston too. Um, and, uh, we had three carriers, but one of those was about to stop at that point. So today, uh, my team prepares and sends reports to, I think it's 23 carriers right now. Wow. Total, including EBD products and counting. That's actually counting Lloyd's as one. Mm-hmm. We have like 20. Lloyd's contracts. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it's been, it's been an interesting 15 years and um, I worked on the IT side for most of that time. But at that point, IT was really embedded with the business. There was, we didn't work for BB&T or Truist. Mm-hmm. So we were really, you know, involved in the day-to-day work uh, with the business, you know, okay. and at that point we actually had servers here and, you know, in the building and, and actually had to maintain some of those servers and Dang. networking and things like that. Wow. So, uh, you know, I've done that. My, my team now is responsible for all of the, the cap modeling, um, as well as I would say most of the management reporting, you know, we have some people outside of the team who still handle some things. Um, but, uh, all the care reporting from the business side, you know, it programs it, but ultimately we're responsible for the content and mm-hmm. what's really in there. Um, and then we also have a hand in the uh, the risk track data, you know, that, that you guys see in the day to day workflow, because uh, we write and uh, you know create the error checks and, yep. and kind of you know implement that, and, and so it's it's always you know trying to figure out how to how the data is going to fit into the reports and everything. Not so much how it fits into risk track, but how it fits in the reports and right. how it fits in the models, making sure that that's good. So I've done a little bit of everything. Um, you know, we also have the premium borderos, so. I get into a little bit of accounting from time to time and that's uh, cool. You know, I've literally swept the server floors, helped rebuild the server room, physically <laughs> install racks. And uh, I've taken out the trash on plenty of occasions. <laughs> I remember taking you do it all, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> I remember taking those racks out a couple of years ago. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You guys, oh, have, you guys have, I think yeah, most of you guys have yeah, helped yeah, us at one point or another. Ooh, we some of those pre COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've done a little bit of everything. And uh, so at this point I have uh, Mark Oswald who we'll talk here in a second on my team. As a business analyst, uh, have one cap modeler, Adam Dang, who just joined us uh, a few months ago. Super nice guy. And then he's a good guy. And uh, and um, uh, Mike Mall, who's been here eleven forever. Yeah, years, forever. Um, is another business analyst on my team. He moved over from from the IT side mm-hmm. as well. Um, so anyway, that was a long that was a long intro. 
but uh, awesome. it's been yeah. an eventful 15 so, years. And, everyone knows uh, you now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, it's it's good to see new faces, a lot of new faces, seeing a lot of people for the first time now pre-COVID uh, in the office. And uh, I think it's, that's, it's good to have everybody together. Uh, yeah. When I started, you know, everybody kind of had to come into the office. We, we, we had a few people in other cities and just a couple remote workers, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but seeing everybody, at, you know, Face to face makes a difference, I think. So, anyway, go ahead, Mark. All right. Well, I'm Mark, Mark Oswald. Uh, been working for Amherst for about three years now. And the first two and a half years, I was on the Texas Hab team, uh, paired with Donna Barbosa pretty much from the start. Um, and <laughs> me and Christian were on the same team. He pointed at himself. And we were on the same team. We started that team. It was, it was a great time. Yeah, it was. Hard occupancy. A lot of fun, though. It was fun. Um, But anyway, now I'm on Tony's team, really enjoying it. As he stated, I'm a business analyst uh, working with him. And so there's lots of reports going on, um, lots of different things that uh, I'm really enjoying it so far. Lots of data. Um, And I've uh, got a math degree. So data and numbers are much more up my alley uh, than I think the UA position even was. So. I think it's cool that Mark actually transitioned to this this side of the the business because it it honestly fits him a lot more. It's like his his bread and butter. It's my bread and butter. This guy's wild with Excel sheets. Yeah. Yeah. Travis will be on here, but Travis, he's got me beat. But he's got a couple of years (laughs) on the all Yeah. I'll catch up to him. Went to school for accounting, I think. That's that's kind of they live in there, right? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, yeah, I, when I interviewed Mark, I said, well, this, "You might enjoy this if you like solving problems and puzzles and that kind of thing." And yeah, he kind of like got a smile and was like, "Yeah, I do." <laughs> yeah, I'm like, all right, you'll be good because yeah. that's what we do every day is is solving problems and and trying to figure out the puzzle pieces. Um, we're still creating stuff new, you know, mm. new new things every day. Um, it, that really has not changed in fifteen years. I can say that, mm-hmm. and uh, you know. I, our manager, John Horton, I know that he learns something every day. And I would, you know, Brian, our CEO, I would, he, I'm sure he learns something every day too, because there's, there's a new problem and, and something to work on, whether it's data related, carrier related, producer related, you know, um, truest process and procedure, yeah, whatever it might be. I mean, there, there's really literally something every day. And I, I, I don't think there's been a day where I didn't learn something in 15 years. Yeah. Um, I guess I started off pretty stupid then. <laughs> um, <laughs> But now you're pretty smart. So I might be getting. I might be getting smarter. After Maybe not years. start yeah. off as two, but just not as educated. Yeah, I did not know insurance. I can tell you that. Oh, 100. Uh, percent I uh, I knew some other things about IT and a lot about radio. Um, that was my prior experience. Yeah. But uh, I I had to learn insurance from from zero. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good testament to you know the topic of innovation. You're solving problems every day. You're learning something new every day, and in in that, like, what would you say innovation in your experiences alone mean to you? Um, you know, I think that what it really comes down to is just solving the, the problems of the day. Mm. Um, you know, we've, I, you know, I, today, this morning, there was an underwriting meeting, right? And and they kind of talked about changes in the market, the market cycles, carriers, reducing PML, reducing aggregates. Mm-hmm. Kind of changing deductibles and and you know okay we were we've been doing you know a lot of more primaries and things this year that we maybe didn't do in the past, um, and so you know we have the data to help us figure out how to manage the portfolio and and implement these things, but a lot of the data that we had 
we didn't quite look at it through that, that lens, you know, it wasn't organized in a way that would help us make some of those decisions. Yeah. Um, so we kind of had to figure out how to create reports and w- exactly which data to look at. And, you know, Mark did, I don't know, 10 or 15 iterations of a couple different reports. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, yeah. and we had similar reports in the past, but we kind of needed it all in one place to give that perspective. And so really, I think, you know, um, especially at Amrisk, it, it's just been in, for 15 years that I've seen anyway. Yeah. It's just about solving the problems at hand. And really, I, I guess I could say the risk calc, my understanding when they first created it, the, the problem they were trying to solve was at that point, how do we price different layers mm-hmm. um, for different types of risks? And, you know, what should the primary versus excess pricing, what, what the buffer pricing be? And um, actually going past back beyond that, my understanding is the very first sort of version of risk calc or whatever it was called at the time. It wasn't, was a risk calc. Um, I, what I heard was that it was uh, related. It was Dan working on something and they were trying to calculate uh, the, the flow from sprinklers in industrial facilities at FM based on the flow rates of the sprinklers and the amount of water that was in the tanks. Could oh. it put out a fire of a certain intensity oh, wow. in this facility? And so my understanding is that, that, that Dan or whoever, right. <laughs> so there, there were, so that, you know, somebody created a table and then some calculations and you enter in the numbers and the number of sprinkler heads and how big the tank is and all that. And then, and that, that was possibly the seed of, of the risk calc idea <laughs> when, when uh, he and, you know, uh, other folks started working in insurance and reinsurance, yeah. I guess at Surima and went from there. So, you know, it just snowballs from there, you know, automating AR and RMS modeling it, you know, how can we make this more efficient because yeah. we don't have enough UAs or underwriters to get to every, to get to the submissions, to get to the modeling. Mm. And, you know, we all think we can make more money and grow the business, you know, uh, what do we do? Yeah. So, well, let's implement the, the APIs and get some of the stuff automated. Um, so you just, you kind of go one step at a time, I think, and, uh, you know, try some ideas and, and see what happens. And, um, I think Mark, you've seen that. Yeah. You know, kind of starting fresh. Right. You get a request in. And then as it turns out, a lot of times that may not be the actual <laughs> request you yeah, find out. Yeah. After you start a building times. a report or something and then it kind of takes a little bit of a pivot into what you finally need it to be. And um, I don't know, you do a lot of versions. So I'm like, here's version one. And then I send it out and I think it's good. I'm like, oh, this is probably perfect. Good old John Horton comes back. He's like, well, I got a wish list item. He might send me three <laughs> things. He's like, I kind of need to see it like this. I kind of want to chart like this. But um, I love that because, yeah. you know, it just we keep on enhancing the report. And, you know, innovation fits in with that just to take something for what it is and make it better. Um, you know, Brian um, told me one time, don't uh, we were, you know, because we have queries saved out and we save them using the name. And that's kind of how you okay. identify it. And, mm-hmm. and you can search based on the name and in access. Uh, anyway, a tool that we use a lot of, which is kind of antiquated at this point. But uh, <laughs> he told me one time, he's like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't call anything final because it's mm-hmm. never, nothing's ever done. You're probably oh, going to have to come back and change it. And I, I remember him saying that because you know, cool. I said, Oh, you know, my query name is something, something final. And he was like, I think he laughed, you know, he's kind of like, yeah, don't ever, I never <laughs> use that. You know, you probably don't want to do that. It's going to change. That's um, funny. And I've learned that that's probably true. Coming from the underwriting side, moving to the business analytics side, like what do you, what would you say was the hardest thing for you to 
implement innovation or to be innovative or to kind of like get your brain working to think, okay, how am I going to adjust from one end of the business to this new side? That's going to help mm-hmm. work in yeah. for the company, for the How'd better you of the company. That new gear? Hmm. That gear you Honestly, I feel like in the UA position, I wanted more math. I wanted more. And I felt oh, almost yeah. restricted to come up with innovative solutions in a sense, in my personal uh, experience. And then coming to this side, I got Microsoft access and permissions to the databases and all the data behind the scenes. And I'm just love numbers, love Excel, love all that. Um, so I actually feel like this just opened the door to become more innovative and taking the knowledge that I have on the UA side, even though I didn't learn everything about how to underwrite a whole account start to finish. Yeah. I learned a lot about the business and just name sort deductibles and different, a lot of terms and stuff that I just think make the report reporting has just come Eat more natural because I actually do have a little background on the UA yeah. side. Well, and what's what's really interesting, and I don't, I don't think everybody knows this yet, but we're we're really just getting started from a reporting and data standpoint. Wow. And even though we have twenty years of data and we've had reports, and we can, you know, anything that we need to figure out or find, we can we can do that mm-hmm. using tools that are probably getting outdated a little bit. Yeah, um, because you know we did not have forty people in IT for the last 15, 20 years, wow. you know, when I started, there were three, oh. five, six mm. years ago, we only had 15. Who um, were the first three or from when you it was Steve Lanier. Oh, yeah. Um, and Dan Pete actually kind of chuckled when he hired the first it person. He says, I don't know if we really need anybody, but you know, um, Steve Lanier had underwriting experience had been Dan's boss at one point. Mm. And, um, uh, and Steve was not an it person. He was an under, I mean, been an underwriter, reassurance underwriter, yeah. and broker. Um, but he he was a technical person, but but Dan knew that he could help solve problems. And so Steve kind of knew a little bit and worked, I think, with Brian and, and uh, Tim Singletary, who's, who's since retired, and kind of started working on some things. And they hired Mason Rudloff maybe a year after Steve Lanier started. And um, Mason did a lot of work on Wrist Track, as you guys know it today, yeah. and converted it from its sort of original form it had been improved by brian a lot but but mason really turned it into the app that you see today with with some help but he, yeah. he, he sort of drove a lot of that and you use the tools that he knew how to use to, to build you know what we have today which is is now getting rewritten yeah funny enough um <laughs> so yeah steve mason and i were the first first three folks and we grew a little bit quickly and but like i said we only had like 12 or 15 people five or six years ago I did want to ask another question, though, in regards mm-hmm. to carrier relationships. Like with the reports you guys do, how innovative does it have to get to where they're getting the same kind of work that you guys are giving us, like internally at least? Um, it's not as complex as you might think, mm-hmm. I guess, but it's not it's not beyond what we do internally too far. Um, but if you think about it, the premium has to be 100% correct. Mm. Right. So we report everything that goes into aim. So, you know, this always surprises people. I, I say everything that you type into aim or pick in a dropdown pretty much goes to the carriers. They're going to see it. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and so the error checks that you see and all that, that's there for a reason. Right. Um, and Amy, I always, it's real money. So it's gotta be right. Yep. Um, and the, on the exposure side, we, we give them just about everything that's in risk track. Um, I guess from a, a policy data standpoint, you know, your limits and your attachment and all that that's in the allocations, uh, you know, for each, for each contractor carrier, really that goes over, it gets reformatted and it might be in a spreadsheet. It might be in an XML file. It might be in an RMS or AIR database or table. Um, 
but it almost all goes, yeah. you know, to the carriers. And, uh, the funny thing there is that some of them model our book or really, you know, they, they book it, they book the premium quickly, right? Cause Definitely. they, they, they have to reconcile what they're getting paid with, with what uh, we've booked and what they've booked. But so they're very quick to book the premium, but some people will model our portfolio that we give them every month. Some people are six months behind. Some people do it quarterly. Some people do it annually. So they're trusting our results. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when you see us, or hear us, you know, harassing folks about error checks and and in a month or any of that type of stuff. It's really because we want it. We want to be able, we want to have the right data so we can manage the portfolio internally. Right. Yeah. We have to do that, but we also don't want to send a bunch of, you know, messy garbage data to the it has carriers. To be perfect. And, and right. And it's never perfect, but, I, sure. I, but I, they're, they're, <laughs> as close to perfect as we can get it. Yeah. The idea is uh, there used to be the Lexus slogan in pursuit of perfection. Oh, so yeah. you're never going to be perfect, but you learn from your mistakes and you try and mm-hmm. you, you keep trying and you, you don't ever stop and you don't ever stop innovating. You don't ever stop making, yeah. mm-hmm. making progress. Um, and of course there's always a new problem to solve. Like I said, so that, that kind of just forces you to, yep. to, to be creative and stay on top of things. But that, that's really kind of what we've tried to do, you know? Yeah. So, you know, every error check, every data validation, uh, the way that the the tool works, I know sometimes you go, why does this work like this? But there, it's either it just happened to be that way, just because of the way the, the the Microsoft tool worked or something, or it was done very purposely. Yeah, you know, uh, purposefully. Um, so you, you never know. But usually it was done on purpose, you know, for for a good reason. Yeah, trying mm-hmm. to solve solve a problem. But uh, the carriers, they, they really do get just about everything that that everybody enters, you know, and. Um, and that that's pretty interesting, actually, if you think about it, right? Definitely. And then they come mm-hmm. in and they do audits. They do modeling audits. They do accounting audits. They do underwriting audits. Um, and they, so they look at our data and our workflow and our process, essentially kind of looking at our people almost, yeah. you could say, See from those different perspectives. Yeah. And they do well, that. They probably know my name. <laughs> yeah, I was going to talk to you about that. Uh, but uh, yeah, we so, got a uh, list of twenty-three accounts here with your name on them. They're just <laughs> awful. And uh, so there's a lot of reverse and reallocations. Okay. Yeah, and and we get questions about that actually. They say, "Man, what what are all these reversals?" And and you know, we look and it's it's endorsed. We do a lot of endorsements. Um, you know, occasionally there's typos or whatever, but um, it's it's usually endorsement activity, changing the inception expiration mm-hmm. dates, extensions. You know, all, all kinds of things, changing the name, sure, whatever it might be. You know, um, the schedule was, you know, I mean, you guys know there's you know, 15, 20 endorsements during the course mm-hmm. of policy sometimes, depending oh. on the kind of the type of product you work on. And they're not all straightforward, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we get, my team does handle questions from the carriers about all that. Yeah. Um, you know, we may, Leah Bellin uh, handles the audit. She also works on, on, on John's team. Oh, cool. Um, and so, she, you know, she's the care relationship manager. So she gets a lot of the kind of audit-related questions. And she, her and I kind of work as a team, you know, when there's questions about a policy or a data. And I will go to um, Laura Clark, who's uh, kind of our accounting accounts payable manager. Mm-hmm. I don't know what her actual title is at this point. Sorry, Laura. Sorry, Laura. But, um, <laughs> uh, but she, she handles the getting the carriers paid every month. Yep. And uh, she's you know, on she, it too. She's yeah. on it and she's dealt with AIM and, and you know, the way that the Amherst works for a long time. So. Also someone that knows my name. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It happens. I'm and, degrading myself here. Yeah. Yeah. I should just stop talking. <laughs> so, you know, it's a, it's a team effort to get it all, but you know, everybody has a lot of experience at this point. Yeah. And, um, 
But, it, you know, it, it takes a lot of work. And like I said at the beginning, I think we're sending reports right now to 23 carriers. Might be 24 soon. Um, a couple of those is 23 are runoff, but so it might stay right around 23. Um, and, you know, just getting the reports out really is almost doing a, doing a quick, just a quick review after the some of the more in-depth reviews. Yeah. Just getting those out the door, like two-day job. Just doing that. Um, so, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the carrier side is very interesting. And because uh, it's modeling, it's accounting, it's there's a little bit of everything there. Yeah. Uh, but I can tell you, every every almost everything we do, they see it. Um, and so that that I think that says you know when they give us more capacity mm-hmm. or, or you know as 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 they want to grow their business with us, uh, it's because we're doing things right. Yeah. You know, and it's it's hundreds of millions of dollars they have on the line with us. And um, so you know we try to do right by them, whether it's managing the book or just sending them the data. And making sure it's right and on time, you know. So uh, it's uh, that's a lot of what my job comes down to. And that's innovation for sure. I think you guys are kind of the face of it. So we're just getting started. We got some more work to do, but uh, I think I think over the next few years, I think everybody at Amherst will see some changes. Whether it's things that L and D is coming up with, mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. you know our reporting um, risk track is in the middle of being rewritten. You know, uh, I know not everybody's saying that, but, you know, there are people on the management side and, yeah. and, and, and everybody that's really involved in that and trying to reimagine kind of what the workflow and the day to day for, you know, about 200 people looks like. I, I've told people, you know, if we can if we can grow to four billion dollars, but not have to hire a whole, you know, another 200 people or whatever we have at Amherst now, it's probably over 200, uh, then, you know, that's great. That that that's that would be the result of innovation. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the, that's, that, that's nothing to do with my team really. I mean, a lot of that is it driven. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that would be great. You know, there's a lot of things that have to happen. Yeah. Well, the business, but, uh, <laughs> I know for, I know speaking of Christian and myself, we're very excited to see what the future holds, uh, as far as innovation goes and where risk track and where Amherst is going to be in the next five or so years. And thank you guys for coming out. For sure. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Appreciate it, guys. As always, thank you, everybody, for listening. If there are any questions you want to ask, please email us at podcast at amherst.com. Also, go check out the FOMO forum on the Amherst Rely website. Thank you.